Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, for anyone that wants Bibles are up the back. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to the word of God? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and will not neglect your word. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you. If I haven't met you before, my name's Reuben. I'm a pastor at Riverbank Christian Church, uh, just over in Riverside. And uh, a little while ago, over summer, uh, we had a look at Psalm 119 together, and I'd like to share some thoughts from that with you today. Uh, it was an exciting day when my mate uh, left home and moved into a share house, and it was an exciting day for me too, actually. Uh, it, was a, it was a taste of independence, and we were excited, and then I went to visit the share house a few weeks after he'd moved in, and I realised that the excitement was quickly fading. Um, a bit of backstory, I... I grew up in a house where my mum kept things very neat and tidy. Uh, I didn't realise what a tight ship she ran. Uh, I thought it was normal until I walked into this share house and I realised not everyone lives this way, especially not 18-year-old young guys. But I did manage to find a path down the hall, got past the lounge, made it to the kitchen, and that's when I noticed in the corner the rubbish bin. And it was big, right? It was the full-size 60-litre black bag, which I think they thought was genius because they didn't have to take out the rubbish as often. Yeah, but it also meant that all the raw meat and the food scraps just sat in there for a very long time and they were getting stinky and sweaty. Now, don't worry, I'm not up here today to tell you to do your housework, but I do want you to ponder something for a minute. Ponder this. If your heart is a home, what's it like in there? Is your heart more like my mum's house or my mate's share house? And the reason I ask this is because our passage this morning is really all about our hearts. And the basic idea is this, what goes on in here drives what happens out there. What goes on in here drives what happens out there, which would be well and good if what was going on in here was a whole lot of, of peace and love and godliness. But to be honest, that's often not what my heart home looks like. Sometimes I manage to present pretty well to others, but inside it can be pretty stinky in here. Uh, there's a whole lot of thinking about what Reuben wants. Uh, there's a whole lot of sulking about what Reuben didn't get. 
there's a whole lot of wondering about what other people think about Reuben. And the Bible gives names to those ugly things that live in my heart. Uh, pride, selfishness, greed, lust, envy, bitterness, etc. Now, I can honestly say I don't like that about myself. Uh, I want to change. I want to change. And so my ears prick up when we come to Psalm 119. You know, in the first eight verses, we haven't read them today, in the first eight verses they talk about the good life, the blessed life. A life where you walk with God, where he's at the center and you obey him and you follow him and it's, and it's wonderful. Uh, verse 1, it says there, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I want that. I hope you do too. But the question that we're left with as we come to the end of verses 1 to 8 is, how do we actually start living like that? That's the question we bring with us as we come to verses 9 to 16 today. How can we walk God's way? And the answer we're going to see is that it's really all about the heart. Remember the basic idea. What goes on in here drives what happens out there. And if, if you're anything like me, you'll know that these heart issues are incredibly hard to deal with, right? These sins, they're not easy to evict, are they? But today, the writer of the psalm is going to tell us about a cleaning product that actually works. Makes me think of those TV ads, um, picture that really gross, black, grimy shower. Uh, and then you get this fabulous spray, and all you do is just a couple of sprays and one wipe, and oh, it's perfectly clean. Well, I'm sorry, the cleaning product we're talking about today is not that easy to use. Uh, it takes a lot more work than that, but it's very effective. The results are worth it. What is it? What's this cleaning product? Let, let me give it to you up front, and then we'll unpack it together. Here it is. Um, a guy called Herbert Lockyer, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said this. These verses are all about making our hearts a home for the word of God. Making our hearts a home for the word of God. Now, please remember Christianity 101. We can't clean ourselves up. God does that. Yes? But how? How does God clean up the mess of our hearts? Psalm 119 says, through his word. Now, we've got two points this morning, and our first is simply this. We need God's Word. We need God's Word. Hopefully, you've got a Bible open in front of you. If you do, please read verse 9 with me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. Just, just notice for a second that he specifically mentions a young person. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's quite likely that the psalm writer is actually young when he's writing this. And, and he's realized, hey, there's no better time than right now for me to start walking with God. Now, young people, it's pretty easy to think, isn't it? Yep, no, I will get to God soon. I will be more committed to God and, and to reading the Bible and to going to church. I'll be more committed soon, but I've got plenty of time for that. And to be honest, right now, I'm pretty swamped. 
with working out who on earth I am and what I want to do and just getting things set up for life. I mean, I've, I've got to get a job, I've got to get a car, I've got to get an education. There's just there's a lot of stuff going on. Do you know what God says? He says, you've, you've got things back to front. Remember that basic idea, what goes on in here drives what happens out there. Actually, you've already started setting the direction for the rest of your life. Your habits today are already shaping your tomorrow. And we can't just leave stinky rubbish bins in our hearts and hope that they'll just clean themselves up. No, they're going to get stinkier. And so the psalmist says, don't wait. Start walking with the Lord now, today. But that brings us back, doesn't it, to our big question, how? The answer was there in verse 9. Let's read it again. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? By living according to your word. How do Christians have relationship with God? How does God change us and grow us? It's through his word. It's not through some sort of mystical osmosis, right? It's not through dreams and visions. It's not through our feelings and our intuitions. Unfortunately, it's not by having lunch or coffee with Jesus because he's in heaven right now. No, it is always through the scriptures. It's the Bible entering our eyes and our ears, being applied to our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we come to see and love Jesus Christ more clearly. That's what changes us. Now, don't get me wrong, the end goal is always God, yes? We don't worship the book. We worship the author. And, and you'll see how the psalmist in these verses has his heart set on God. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 12, praise be to you, Lord. This is the goal, is to have God, is to have Christ. And so that does need to be the goal of all our quiet times, of our children's and youth ministries, of our growth groups. Not just to have more Bible knowledge, but to have Christ. If that isn't the goal, we end up with this sort of dry, intellectual, <clears throat> empty faith that's legalistic and do-goodish without any true joy in Christ, any, any true rejoicing in what he did for us on the cross, without any true obedience that's motivated by love for him. So God is the goal, for sure. But the Bible is the only means to achieve that goal because we know God through his word. That's the dominant message, really, of Psalm 119. So that means that any ministry at the branch that isn't firmly rooted in the Bible will be ineffective. If there are only some fun activities... Only some sharing of our own opinions. Only some sort of hovering over the text without really digging into what it actually says and chewing on the meat. Well, 
we won't really see fruit. And that's not just true for churches, that's true for us as individuals as well. I read a a quote by John Piper recently, and it hit me pretty hard. He says this, If you don't read the Bible daily, and don't memorise the Bible in part, and don't linger over the Bible, and meditate on it, and remember it, and muse on it, if you don't steep your mind in it, the best you can hope for is a weak Christian life. End quote. I don't want that. I don't want a weak Christian life. Knocked flat by every setback, constantly doubting and wondering whether God really loves me, losing to sin again and again and again. I don't want a weak Christian life. And so we join with the psalmist in verse 12 and we say, I need your word, God. I need to be taught. I can't do this alone. I don't know what's best. Please help me. That's our first point. We need God's word. God wants to evict the sin that lives in our hearts. He wants to remove the mold and throw away the rubbish and help us to love and obey him. And the only way it will happen is through his word. But exactly how? Exactly how? See, God's word is a little bit like flat pack furniture from Ikea. You can't just take that nice box and dump it on your dining room floor and say, ta-da, I'm done. Isn't it nice? No, you're not done. You have to assemble it. How do we take God's word and assemble it in our lives? How do we make our hearts a home for God's word, not just a hotel where he comes and stays occasionally, but a home where God's word lives. That brings us to our second and final point. We need God's word stored deep in our hearts. We need God's word stored deep in our hearts. The key idea, I think, is there in verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. Or you could say, I have stored up your word in my heart. Squirrels store up nuts for winter. People store up supplies before apocalyptic events. You might remember Y2K. Maybe you had a bunker all ready to go. And Christians get busy storing up God's word in their hearts so that, verse 9, they might stay on the path of purity. So that, verse 11, they might not sin against God. Do you notice how practical these verses are? Have have a look through them. Verse 11, it talks about hiding or storing up God's word. I think a big part of that is memorizing scripture, something that probably we did a lot more of in, in years gone by, especially kids. I remember growing up and memorizing Bible verses. So that in the moment when you need it, it's, it's there. It's stored up. It's ready to go. Keep, keep going through these verses. Verse 12 says, teach me. This is, this is about studying and learning. Verse 13 says, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. This is, this is talking about speaking God's word out loud. 
to ourselves, to each other, actively repeating, recounting biblical truth as we sing, as we have conversations with each other, as we study the Bible. And then verse 14 says, I rejoice. Uh, this This is celebrating how good God's word is. Reminding ourselves it's more precious than anything else, more precious than having all the money in the world, having everything else. And then... In verses 15 to 16, we come to some words that I particularly want us to focus on for a couple of minutes. Let's read verses 15 and 16 together. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The reason I want us to slow down here is because meditation is something that is talked about again and again and again in Psalm 119. It's obviously something very important, but what is it? American pastor David Mathis, he has suggested that Christian meditation is, quote, perhaps the most misunderstood and most underrated of the disciplines in the church today. Well, what is it? We might kind of think of of emptying our minds as we sit cross-legged. That's not, I think, what the Psalms is talking about. The second part of verse 15, I think, helps explain the idea. I consider your ways, or or I fix my eyes on your ways. Um, Do you remember Colossians 3, verse 16? Paul tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So Christian meditation, I think, is not emptying your mind, but filling and focusing your mind with heartwarming biblical truth. Pondering and reflecting until what happens? Until verse 16 happens. Delight. Delight. Do you know at night... Uh, when you get cold, and so you go and pull the doona up. It doesn't instantly make you warm, does it? But I hope that that doesn't make you instantly frustrated, and you jump out of bed, and you go over to the cupboard, and you get three more blankets out, and you dump them on your bed, and you hop back in, and you go, I can't believe that doona didn't work again. No, you understand, you've got to wait a couple of minutes, don't you, for it to warm up. And in a similar way, I think we can find ourselves reading a Bible verse, for example, a verse about how loving God is, and we can get annoyed at it because it doesn't instantly warm us up. Ah, It doesn't work, we say. This This Bible thing, I mean, I've got all the Bible knowledge. I can tell you about justification and sanctification and predestination. It doesn't do it. The Bible doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm just not that kind of person. Well, if I put a mouthful of food in my mouth and I just swallow it whole, then I can't really complain to you that it doesn't have any flavor, can I? Because I didn't chew it. And really, meditation is chewing on God's Word. You're reading along. Maybe you'll be doing this tomorrow. You're reading along. Some verse 
or idea or nugget of gold grabs your attention. Maybe you're in the Psalms and, and just that phrase just keeps coming up. The Lord is a fortress. And you think, hmm, that's nice. Well, you now have a choice to make, okay? You have a choice to make in that moment. What are you going to do? You can say, oh, yeah, that's nice. And then keep reading. Or you can pause and start chewing on that, pondering that, until you start to feel some of the significance and the beauty and the comfort. Wow, God is my fortress. And whatever I go through today, I'm protected by him. And you start, you start pondering that. Maybe you memorize that verse and you take it with you that day. Now, I suspect this has gotten a lot harder since the rise of modern technology. I don't have any cold, hard data for this claim. I'm just going to say it anyway. I would hazard a bet that since the advent of smartphones and social media, streaming services, Christians today spend less time soaking in the Scriptures than in times gone by. Do you think that's fair? We're always rushing, aren't we? We're always trying to do three things at once, and the the content that we're consuming is more stimulating than ever before. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. I meditate on your precepts. Now, some of you are groaning at this point. You remember at the start I said this cleaning product is not as easy as those ones you see on the TV commercials. This one takes effort to apply. There are no hacks or shortcuts when it comes to meditation. Notice the determination of the psalmist in verse 15 and 16. I think the ESV translation maybe is slightly better. I will meditate on your precepts. I will delight in your decrees. This is intentional. This is someone who's making a plan. He's going to set his alarm half an hour earlier to make it happen. You know, in my own experience, spending time in God's Word has always been a struggle. It's been a struggle for as long as I can remember. Still today, almost every single morning, I hear a little voice in my head say, Ooh, I probably don't have time to read the Bible right now. That's not going to be the best start. Maybe if I get get a few things sorted, clear my inbox, that would be nice. Then I will have the focus to just spend some time reading God's Word. And it doesn't happen. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents always encouraged me to be in the Word, in the Bible, but it was always hard. It was always hard. I was too tired in the morning. I was having too much fun in the evening. I tried every type of book, every reading plan, and and nothing seemed to fix it. And I think that's the thing, right? That's what God's been teaching me. There is no one quick fix. There is only going back again and again and restarting and recommitting to that thing that you know you cannot live without. You know that smoking campaign? Don't quit quitting. Isn't that genius? Don't quit quitting. What's the the hardest part about quitting? 
is when you, you fail and you get so discouraged from all those times that you tried and failed and you want to give up. But you know what? The more you walk down a path, the easier it gets to keep walking. The easier that path gets to walk. You know, if you go out to the bush and there's no path at all. Some of you love that. You like to go off track. Well, that's actually where some of you are when it comes to reading the Bible, right? There's no path. You're pretty much starting from scratch. You're listening to the sermon today and you're thinking to yourself, I do not do this. I'm not going well in this. That is okay. It's not too late to start making progress on this. Just realize that when you go out into the bush for the first time and there's no path, you might need to bring a machete, right? Be prepared to put in some hard work. Satan would love to discourage you in this and distract you in this so that you say, oh, it's too hard. I've read the Bible for three mornings in a row this week and I really, it really hasn't changed me. It's not bringing me much joy. I haven't had a whole lot of light bulb moments yet. But what happens when you walk down that little trail in the bush every day, again and again, what happens? The grass starts to get trampled and forced back a little bit. The undergrowth gets forced back. The path becomes easier to find and easier to walk down. Soon you're not going to be bush bashing through it. You're going to be running down it. And you'll start jumping into God's word more eagerly and you'll start to see things you'll think, oh, I was reading that yesterday, that's, ah, oh, that's interesting. This is a, th you start to pick up themes and threads and, and you know what really helps to make the path wider? is to bring a friend. Why not get a few people together with machetes and make it a road trip? Wouldn't you love to see that happening here at the branch this year? Yeah, that we wouldn't just beat that path alone, but we'd go down it together, and together we'd help each other go deeper and further into God's Word together. Ask someone, hey, would you like to just read the Bible with me for an hour? Pray, maybe once a fortnight. Join a growth group, attend it consistently, and be blessed as you chew over God's Word together. There is private work to be done. Each of us need to read and meditate and memorize. But we also need each other. We need to dig into God's word together. We need family devotions. We need preaching. We need discussion. We need accountability. Our big goal, what's our big goal in all of this? It's there in verse 11. To store up God's word in our hearts. And I, I still find this a struggle, but it is getting easier. It, it's, it is getting easier. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning not to focus on just ticking the box and just read my set number of chapters, but, but to focus on feeding my soul. I'm learning not just to look for application of what I have to go and do today, but to focus more on God and what He is doing and what he has done, and to marvel at his promises, and his power, and his grace to me in Jesus. And I'm learning that every Christian is going to store up God's word in their hearts a bit differently. We're all going to do it in different ways. 
Some of us are just going to sit there and read the Bible. Some of us would like to hear it in our ears through an audio book. Some of us will want a devotional or something to help guide us through and others will be just happy to read the Bible on its own. Some will have some Christian music playing and that will help them focus and others will prefer solitude. Some are happy in their favourite chair with a cup of coffee. Others might meditate and pray better while they're walking or driving. Don't get legalistic. Find what works. I've really enjoyed that in the last five or ten years, just finding what works for me. Instead of hearing of all the things the other Christians do and thinking I have to go and do that in order to be holy, find what works for you. The goal is to meditate on the Scriptures until your heart is warmed. That's the goal. And do you know what else I'm learning? I'm learning that I'm not alone. Because as I meditate on that verse, something amazing is happening behind the scenes. Something mysterious, something powerful. The Holy Spirit is at work. Right? Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper, the spirit of truth, who loves to help us understand the Bible, who loves to help us see the glory of Jesus. That is the end goal of all of this, isn't it? To marvel more and more at just how loved we are, how blessed we are in Christ. That even though we're wicked sinners to the core, God loves us. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us so that we can be washed from our guilt, so we can be adopted as God's children, so that we can enjoy loving relationship with God forevermore. That's the central message of the whole Bible. And so I think that should be the focus of what we meditate on. Jesus, most of all, should be the one that we ponder and, and worship and enjoy. On our own, we, we can't clean up the, the grime and the mess of our hearts, can we? It's a share house full of tenants who are nigh impossible to evict. But we're not alone. When we put our faith in Jesus, do you know who moves in? God. God moves in and he starts cleaning up. He wants our hearts to become homes of peace and joy and love and holiness and godliness. How will that happen? It will happen through God's word. We need God's word. We need it stored up deep in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord God, we need your word. And what an amazing thing that we have it. Lord, we have it in abundance. It's so easy to access for us. We thank you that you're a God who has spoken to us and that your words are alive and they're, they're ready to feed us, Lord, to grow us, to deal with all the problems in our hearts, to show us more and more who you are and what you're doing in this world, what you're doing in us, what you want to do through us, what you will do Lord, to make this whole world new. We pray that we would be a people of the word. I pray that the branch would be a church of the word. I pray that as individuals and as little clusters of one or two or six or ten and as this whole gathering, especially on Sundays, Lord, that this would be a church that goes deep and is well-fed 
through the scriptures. Lord, for those who are just so discouraged by this, who hear this sermon and just see, see guilt and, and failure and, and having tried and failed on this so many times before, Lord, may they know the comfort and strength of your Holy Spirit to realize, Lord, that there are always new starts and new days with you. Lord, that it's not too late. I pray that as they open your word again this afternoon and tomorrow, that you would show them treasure, uh, that you would give them delight. Lord, that we would keep going back to what we know we cannot live without. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.